I was going to wear a name tag today because I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. <laughs> we have to reintroduce everybody. Hello, my name is David. <laughs> oh, um, I want to take a moment with the egg hunt and with VBS. I want to ask, with respect to I pray and one for two, um, those are opportunity. This this is an opportunity to reach out. If you have a family that you're praying for, this is an opportunity for you to invite them to an event or to a situation that is is not intimidating. Some people, when they say, do you want to come to church, they have a picture in their mind of robes and do's and don'ts and you come on there's there's some people when you say do you want to come to church they freak out because they think you got to wear a suit like pastor nelson (laughs) and then i come up without a tie and it freaks them out because like what's going on but that people have mindsets pastor nelson with with respect to the word prayer and prayer meeting You mentioned something, and many of us, we don't all have the same, but we have this mindset or this picture that automatically pops up. First impression. So when we have the egg hunt, we are going to have a time to connect with those in our community. So if you have a family on your, I pray, and one for two that you are praying for, I want to encourage you, this is an opportunity for you to invite them to God's place, to His house, to His property. They get to see the church. They get to meet more people in the church. They get to get an impression of the church without freaking out, without walking in going, what's going on? And we get to bridge, what we're doing is we're building a bridge to them. And I want to also say if you have people that aren't on your one for two and I pray, but you have kids that your children play with, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to invite them out. I really would, I, I think it would be awesome if we had more people here on that egg hunt that don't go to church than people that do go to church. Like, wouldn't that be kind of cool? We get like, we have 75 people in our children that go to church and we get 150 people that don't go to church? Like, we can do it. And, and for VBS, the same thing for VBS. That's an opportunity. And it's very, a simple opportunity. Children are an amazing advertising. Children enjoy things. And when they come and they bring their parents. And our VBS is very low key. There's a one day on that VBS where we have a salvation message. It's an intentional day. And what we do is we present the gospel and children get saved. And then we have a celebration at the end of that week where we have all those families come. And we give a message of salvation at that time. So I want to encourage you, if you're going, well, I'm praying for him, but I don't know how to witness, I don't know exactly how to, maybe we can all be of help. Amen? Well, I've got three weeks of sermons in me. 
And I, and I was going to keep the clock on the regular time because then I'd have like an hour and a half to go. Like, you look at the clock, it's only 11.30, what's going on? But if it was right, it would have been like at 10.30. My wife caught it and she says, no, you've got to change it before you start preaching. I wonder why. Hallelujah. Are you ready to receive God's word? Amen. Let's, let's just close our eyes. Let's fold our hands. Put our feet on the floor. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had a flashback there. Amen. Heavenly Father, your word is amazing. Your word is liberating. Your word is fun. Your word is truth. Your word is wisdom. And this morning, Lord, as we take a few moments to look into your word, I ask God that you would touch every one of our hearts, that we would be open to receive and to hear your thoughts and your, your words for us today. And Lord, I submit myself to you as your vessel. And Lord, I ask that you would give me your thoughts and your words this morning. In your precious name, amen. Hallelujah. First impression, I, I want to talk about first impressions today. As I was preparing this morning, actually I was preparing for the last three weeks, but as I was, came in this morning, God gave me a little more, He gave me a little more thought and a little more idea. And, and I want to talk about our Heavenly Father. When I talk about dads, Every one of us has a picture. Every one of us, when I mention the word dad, father, every one of us has a picture. And many of them are different. And I've heard from talking with most of you, I have heard your thoughts and your expression on what a father looks like. And much of that has to do with how a father or a father figure has impacted your life. And what happens when, that, when we do that experience, that's how we grow. We grow from experience. Have you ever said, I'm never going to do that again? You know, like stick your finger in the socket when it's wet. Like, I'm never going to do that again. Fool me once. When, when I was a kid, um, and my brother Stephen John's here, and my brother Daniel, Pastor Daniel's here. We, we worked for my dad on Saturdays in the steel shop. And every once in a while, we'd go to work for my dad, and, and usually it involved cleanup. So if you ever want to learn how to clean up the gym floor, by the way, you don't just sweep one time. Like, like my dad taught us how to sweep a floor. So we would go to work... I'll, when, you, when you participate in cleaning the gym floor, I'll show you. I'll give you a lesson on how to sweep the floor. But we went to the shop, a steel shop, and there was a welding machine. And there was a couple old guys there. And they were sneaky and intimidating. And every once in a while, we'd have to help them. And, and what happened is, is they would do some welding. And welding involves a current, an electrical current. And what happens is you have to put the ground on the piece of metal and then you take your welding rod and you connect that and it joins and that 
forms a weld, and it's an electrical current. Well, us kids didn't understand the electrical current and closing a circuit concept. So a guy would say, can you hold the ground wire and put your hand on the table? And uh, Stephen John's not smiling because he, he has bad memories about this. But we would take the ground in our hand and we put our hand on the table and then he would take the welding rod and he'd tap the table and all of a sudden <laughs> you'd get a jolt. It only had to happen once. And then we'd say, that's never going to happen again. And then we'd look for the next one in line. We'd say, Daniel, come over here. Can you do this? But we have these impressions that we learn from, and quite often they're the first impression that we get. And what happens is from there on, whenever you mention welding, I get a picture in my head. So when something bad happens to us, and somebody mentions this, what happens? Oh, I'm not going to do that because the last time I did that or the first time I did that or this, this person did this to me and therefore I'm not going to expose myself or I'm not going to go there because this happened. And we have this impression built inside of us, ingrained inside of us in our memory of what happened. And if it's a positive thing, we'll do it. Have you ever seen a child standing on the edge of a swimming pool? And you see the parent, God bless the parent, in a cold swimming pool, shivering like this, you know, saying, come on, it's okay, it's okay, jump in. And the child is freaked out. If I jump, you're not going to catch me. And if you don't catch them, they'll never do it again. But you catch them. And what you do is you put an impression inside of them, and they get this way. And what happens is we filter things. Things that happen to us, life that happens to us gets filtered. Whether you like it or not, it gets filtered. And it comes in, and it, oh, this happened, therefore I'm going to respond this way. This happened, therefore I'm going to respond this way. And in life happens to us, and then we come and we get this amazing um, interference, this amazing um, God comes and he just kind of messes with you. And all of a sudden, we have now, how do I relate to God? And quite often, not always, but quite often, the way we relate to God is the way we relate one to another. I can't expose myself because if I expose myself, when I was in school, they made fun of me and they laughed at me. And when I bore my soul, I said, this made me feel like this. All the kids in school laughed at me, joked at me, and, all this. and therefore, now, when I come to God and he wants me to be emotional, I'm not going to be emotional because I got ridiculed and joked when I was a kid. I'm not a psychiatrist, but does that make sense? Okay, I'm not trying to do no psychoanalysis. What I'm trying to do is I want you to understand something here this morning, and I want to attack your minds. I want to attack your mindset. I want you to join me in challenging yourself on how you think about God. 
So, for instance, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I must be doing something right because all this is happening. And then they continue to say, and I better watch out because I know it's going to be corrected and all of a sudden Murphy's Law is going to come and he's going to slap me and he's going to correct me. Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of Murphy's Law? Anybody heard of Murphy's Law? Oh, good. I'm in the right place. But what happens is we get this mindset. If something good happens, oh, I better watch out because something bad's going to happen now. And we take that from life and we import it into our Christian experience. And by the way, I don't think life and Christian experience should be separate. I think they're the same. But quite often we live this dual life. We're bipolar in some respects. Six days of the week I do whatever and Sundays I'm holy. But God made all seven days. But sometimes we have this filter and it comes in. And, and so I want to challenge you today on how you look at God. And what I want you to do is I want to show you the first impression we get of our Heavenly Father. So we're going to go to Genesis. So if you could turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. You say, well, you're really going to the beginning. Yeah, I am. I want to show you a few impressions of God in the next 15 minutes. Okay, next 20 minutes. Okay, there. <laughs> I'll go till somebody says amen. <laughs> I'm going to try to show you in 15 minutes some pictures of God right from the book of Genesis. And what I'd like to do is I want you to try to be honest with yourself and take some of the thought process that you have, some of the life experience that you've had from the past, and if you're open to take that and now put another filter in in how God looks at things. And the first thing I want you to see, it says, in the beginning, God created God was there in the beginning. He was there before you. He was there before me. He was there before Adam. And what he did was he created. Have an impression of your father. He's a God that creates. And if you read the rest of Genesis chapter 1, you'll find four or five times after each day he looked at it and he said it was good. There's only one time that God said it was not good. And that was when he looked at man and we were alone and he says he needs a wife. And I thank him for that. That's the only time he said it's not good. Every other day, every other time, you see, it was good. What he said happened, and it was good. So not only do we see a picture of a God that's a creator, but we see that what he creates is good. 
That word good might mess with you. Because often we think God is a God who's bad. We have a picture of a God who's a cosmic killjoy. Have, have you ever gone to, to uh, Castle Fun Park, you know, and you, you have that game with the holes and what is it, whack-a-mole? Whack-a-mole. It's like guacamole on steroids. And, and it's, it's these holes. And you put a quarter in and then the, the mole pops up. And you got this, get this like Flintstone style beater. I mean, it's not like a little baseball bat. The thing's huge, you know. You feel like you're Flintstone, Fred Flintstone, Wilma. And, and you, you, this thing pops up and you, and you try to hit. And what happens is we have that picture of God. There are people here. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, and it's not a good time to raise your hand. But there are people here that think the moment I rise up and something good happens, God's going to hit me. Why? Because they have this impression from life. I'm here to tell you, that's not the way God operates. The first impression we get is He creates, and what He creates is good. I'm talking about first impressions. Because what we need to do is we need to take those impressions that we have, we need to let them get washed away by the cleansing of His blood and the purifying of His Word, and we need to put other filters in. So, I want to give you a few thoughts here for sake of time. If you were to read Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3, and what happens is Genesis 1 gives you the creation, Genesis 2 gives it more narrative, and it explains it a bit more, and it talks about Adam and, and the garden. And I want to park a little bit. Let's, let's go into the garden. So if you go to chapter 2, and, and we're going to get a little bit of an expression of, of what it looks like in the garden. Here's an impression of the Father that you can have. We're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to read about seven or eight verses. Verse 8 to the end of verse 15. In chapter 2, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Edom, and there He put the man who He had formed. We're going to just go really slow here. He plants a garden, and He puts man in it. This is a picture of my Heavenly Father. He plants a garden and He puts us in it. God puts you in beautiful places. I got a couple amens. That's okay. Think about this. The place that God has put you is a place that He has designed. The place that God has put you is a place that He planted. The word put there actually talks about rest and talks about Him setting you to set something. God has set you where you are. You are not a mistake. You are designed by God and He has put you there. He knows your DNA and He said, 2014, this day is for you. And He has designed it and put you there. 
This is the impression that I'm getting of my heavenly Father. And there he put man whom he formed, verse 9. And out of the ground, the Lord, and out of the ground, God, uh, I'll slow down. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God made things for you to enjoy. He made things, you can look at things and say they're beautiful. The tree was beautiful. It was said it was pleasant to the eyes and good for food. I'm trying to paint a picture of your father this morning. He's a creator. It's good. He makes something that's awesome, this garden, and then he says, that is where I want to put the man that I created. Then he says, not only that, but his trees and there's fruit, and it's good for you. And out of the, and then he, a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted, and it became into four heads. And there's four rivers. The name of the first is Pison, and that is which was compasses the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There's bdellium, and the onyx stone. You know, God's not against gold. There's a couple people that believe that. All the wives, they, they tell their husbands how much they like gold. You like it so much, put a ring on it, right? And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is that that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hedekel. And that is which goes towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. If you look at all four rivers... And you look at what those names of those rivers mean. One of them means increase. I think that's Python. Another one means to be bountiful or to, to spring bountifully. Another one means to be rapid. And another one means to be fruitful. If you look up the names, Euphrates, Python, um, Hedekel, and Gihon, you will find that even the rivers that surrounded and came out of the place that God had created were rivers of abundance, rivers that would spring forth, rivers that were rapid, rivers that had fruitfulness around them. God has designed your life and the things that you are around to be fruitful, to increase, to abound. He's a God that is abounding. That's the picture this is the first picture we get of God and where he takes, he takes man and he sets them in this garden and everything around him is good. This is the father that I serve. I'm trying to paint a picture for you and with you of the God that we serve. He's a good God. He's creative. He created this garden and then he places man in it and then he has all this river and river bring nourishment and those rivers mean increase, mean abundance, overflowing. Mean they get rapid, they're, they're moving and they're increasing, fruitful. They're not dried up. They're not pathetic. They're not poisonous. They're not resentful. 
They're not lacking. The God that we serve is a God who's an abundant God. And the things that He does are things of abundance. He's not a penny miser. He's not just, well, that's all you, I, I just, man, I can't give you more because then I won't have enough. I just, he's a God that wants to give. He's a God that wants to give. He's a God that initiates. It was his idea to create. God initiates things in your life. He's the one that gives you the ideas. He is the one that will give you an entrepreneurial idea, an invention. He's the one that gives it. He's a creative God. He puts them in the garden. And then we get to the verse 15, and the Lord took man, and it reiterates verse 8, and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So we see that God puts you in the place where he has designed you to be. God has put you in today's world. I've met people who said, well, I wish I lived in the 1800s. Not me. I thank God for electricity. I thank God for flush toilets. I mean, they're awesome. I don't know how they did it. I thank God for what he has done. And he has brought us here today. And the picture I get through this creative account and this picture of, of the garden is that God is the one who provided everything and he made everything function and then he takes Adam and he puts him there. And he says, this is for you. And then he looks around and he says, there's something missing. And he, he looks at man and he says, he's missing something. He needs somebody to relate with. He needs somebody to be with him. And he gives us woman. Amen. Hallelujah. I thank God for my wife. I tell you, if I was by myself, I wouldn't talk. But when I'm with her, we talk. Fellowship. Relationship. He'd say, David, you're alone. But when he looked, he says, you need a wife. So God looks at things and he sees that it's good. But he's always looking for your good. And he looks at something and he says, there's something missing. And he adds to it. And then what happens? We, <laughs> in our wisdom, mess it up. How does God respond when we mess it up? How does your father respond when you make a mistake? When I was a kid, I feared my dad. I still do. I respect him and I love him and I honor him. And he would sometimes tell us, go get a shovel. And if we were stupid, we'd say, well, where is a shovel? And he'd look at us and he'd say, it's not in my pocket. <laughs> in other words, if I knew where it was, I'd tell you. I don't know where it is, go find it. And we didn't have a house that 
that was small, and we were lived on seven acres, and so you have to go find it, and it could be anywhere, because he had projects all over the place, and he had nine boys, and we would put one thing one way and another way, so he would tell us, go find it, and so you would search, and I got two brothers here, and they will attest to it, you would search and look and look and look, because if you didn't find it, you didn't want to come back to dad empty-handed, because for some reason, he'd find it. And if he found it before I found it, not good. One day, my dad said, David, go find something. And I had years of this ingrained in me, and I looked and I looked and I looked. I didn't ask him where it was because I knew it wasn't in his pocket. <laughs> and I looked and I looked and I looked, and I couldn't find it. And I was afraid. And I came to him and I said, Dad, you know, he says, where is it? And I says, I don't know. I can't find it. And I was expecting the rod or the foot of correction to be applied to my behind. He looked at me and he said, why are you so afraid? I said, well, I can't find it. And he says, did you look? I said, yeah. He said, if you looked and you can't find it, why are you afraid? And in that one encounter... He changed the way I understood my Heavenly Father. Didn't expect to cry. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> but the way that we look at our Father, It changed the way I saw God. And there are times and there are situations in our life that we've been hurt, we've been abused, whatever the situation. And we make a mistake now and we are so afraid to come to our Father because I messed up, I screwed up. I made a huge mistake. He told me to do something and I couldn't do it. Adam and Eve had the same thing. He gave them one instruction. <laughs> one instruction. They messed up. They ran and they hid. They clothed themselves. How did God respond to that? You know what he did? He came to talk with them. He came to walk with them. He knew what was going on. He wasn't trying to find. He knew where they were. He created the garden. He knew every hiding spot. They went and they hid. And how did he respond? The first impression you get if your heavenly father responding when something is wrong is he comes and he takes care of it. And I'm here to tell you today, there are some of you here that are so afraid of your heavenly father 
because we have this picture that he's going to whack you. We have this picture that he's going to slap you. We have this picture that he's going to kick you. We have this picture that he's going to yell at you. We have this picture that he's going to scream at you. But what he did was he sent his son so that we could be restored. It was nothing you or I did. And Adam and Eve, they went and hid themselves for shame. And he comes to walk with them and to talk with them. And when my dad looked at me and he said, David, why are you so afraid? And I said, because I couldn't find it. He says, well, if you couldn't find it and you looked for it, it's okay. He says, don't be afraid. He changed that moment. He changed the way I looked at my father. So today, I want to challenge the way you look at your heavenly father. There was a story of a lady in the Bible in John who lived quite this life and all these guys took her, put her in the middle and they formed the circle and in that time and era they had the right to throw stones and to kill her. And they brought Jesus to this organized lynching this organized stoning. And they wanted him to be participating in this and to approve of this. And Pastor Nelson preached on this and he preached an amazing sermon on it. And Jesus looked at them and said, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. And then he kneels down and he does whatever. He plays in the sand or whatever. He writes things in the sand. And he looks up after a while and everyone's gone. There was nobody there that was without sin except him. And the one person that could pronounce judgment, the one person that could honestly, legally, rightfully say, I have not sinned, therefore I can do what the law says. Looked at her and says, where is everybody? She said, they're gone, I don't know. And you know what he said? He says, I don't condemn you. I mean, he could have had a field day. He could have laid it on thick, he could have laid it on heavy. He could have done anything. He had the right. He was the one. He looked at her and he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is the picture of the Father. Now, I'm not talking about, Paul says, don't sin and keep sinning. Don't keep doing things that you know are wrong. But I also know that there's sometimes we feel like I just got to hide. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. And I want to tell you this morning that your heavenly father, when he saw you and you were opposite, you were an enemy to him, you were not close to him, you were away from him, the impression, the first impression that I get is he comes to walk with you. He comes to talk with you. He comes to fellowship with you. He is the one that initiates that. And he does it over and over and over in the scriptures. 
And then He sends His Son while we were enemies. He died for us. What is your impression of the Heavenly Father? When you have the right impression, it changes everything the way you look. After that moment when my dad talked to me, it gave me a greater confidence in even approaching my dad. Because I knew he wasn't out to beat me. And he didn't beat me. Sorry, I, I knew he wasn't out to prove me wrong. I was, my dad never beat me. That is bad. He's a good father. But there's a healthy respect. But what he showed me was, David, I love you. And this morning, if you need to experience the love of God, I want to wipe away the impressions you've had of the past. And I'd like to put the impression of the Heavenly Father from the Word of God. He's a creator. What he did was good. He planted you in a garden. And then when we make mistakes, what does he does? He comes, he restores that. He loves them. Yes, they got sent out of the garden. There was a result. But you know what? He covered them. He clothed them. He was the one that looked for them. And then he dealt with the issue. Your heavenly father is a father that comes looking for you. Some of you might say, I'm not worthy. Some of you might say, well, you don't know what mistake I've made. You don't want I don't. And I don't need to know. He knows. And he sent his son to restore, to bring you back into relationship. As the music's playing, I'd, I'd want you to just to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to say a couple things and then we're just going to let the Holy Spirit move. Hallelujah. As we are worshiping today, we sang the song Dance With Me. And I had a picture of lights rotating in the ceiling, spotlights 
I saw this dance floor. And I saw somebody that just was aching. Just aching to dance, to be held by their father. To the point where you actually even have a picture of what it would look like. If you were to sit down, you could describe in detail what that beautiful picture would look like to dance with your father. I'm here to tell you that that invitation is there. And he has come this morning to take you in his arms to change your opinion, to change your thoughts, to change your picture, and to dance with you. So I just want this song to play for a moment. And I want us just to take a moment to let our Heavenly Father Show his love with you. We'll just take a minute. you're just sitting there with your eyes closed, just ask the Father, Father, what lie have I been believing about you? What impression isn't correct? Now just release it. Now ask him, Father God, what do you have for me? What picture do you have for me to replace that with? And just pray in your head, Father, I just release that incorrect picture 
that lie I have been believing about you. I just release it now to you. And I receive the picture and the truth that you have for me. And I implant that impression and that truth in my heart and mind. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Mm. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for the first impressions of your goodness that you give us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just want to sing a song. Um, just in this atmosphere, I think God wants to heal, to bring healing. Hopefully I can sing this. Don't listen to my voice. Hopefully just listen to the words. I've come to wrap my arms around you. I've come to wipe the tears away. I've come to cleanse you, to revive you. I've come to put my name upon you. I've come to bring you wholeness and healing. I've come to wipe your brokenness away. I've come to give you beauty for ashes. I've come to give you a garment of praise. I've come to wrap my arms around you. I've come to wipe your tears away. I've come to cleanse and purify you. I've come and I call you by my name. Oh, Holy Spirit, this morning, 
Lord, we just receive the words that you've spoken over us. Lord, the words that we've heard this morning. Like a seed that falls on a ground. Lord, let it find good soil this morning. Lord, let it come and bring fruitfulness in our lives. Lord, come. Let it come and change our perspective. Lord, let it come and take, change the lenses that we view things through. Lord, help us to understand deep within our soul, in our spirit. Let us come to understand. Did you come to accept us, to forgive us, and to give us life that is abundant? Lord, let that be the fruit that comes from the seed that was planted this morning. Lord, just be. Lord, let it be. Amen. I just want to speak this over you this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You may be dismissed. I know there's a few people that have asked for prayer. If you've asked for prayer, come on up. But we are dismissed. God bless you.